Hey guys, this is Eric Nelson. I decided to start a podcast talking with the people who make up Center Point Church and learn a little bit about each individual unique walk of faith. Hope you enjoy. I just feel we doing a podcast. Where you do this? <laughs> In this episode, I get to talk with Onesimus Warner, also known as Devon. And we get into a couple of different topics. We talk about his name. We talk about the racial divide in the country a little bit, some political diversity, and how to keep that diversity in the church. And uh, I learned a little bit about him, and I got to see his perspective on things, and uh, I really enjoyed it. I hope you do, too. Take a listen. I just want to thank you for coming out today. I mean, it's a long drive, right, for you? And it wasn't horrible, though. It's a nice drive up US-1. Yeah? Yeah. Get to avoid the house for a little bit longer. <laughs> I like my house. Do you though. like coming home? Like I to... do. Okay. I like coming home. It's, All right. it's one of those. Depends on the day. House. Depends I... on the day, right? No? no, it depends on what I have waiting for me at home. <laughs> what I left, you know, for me to do. But other than that, I enjoy my home. I enjoy walking into my house. I enjoy the people that are there sometimes. Who is there right now? So right now it's Tyron. Okay. Diane and Oni. Okay. Javante's. Um, in basic training right now. Oh, nice. Yes, yes. How long has that been going on? Oh, he's in week six. Yeah. Nice. He graduates October 15th. So okay. So wherever we are in that, yeah. That's coming training. up. Dude, it is. It is. I'm excited. I'm Where, excited. So graduation entails like you going to, or because how does of, that go? Excuse me. Because of <clears throat> our great situation <laughs> with COVID, um, no. I won't be able to go. More than likely, I won't be able to go. I have not heard final word that it's just going to be streamed, but okay, we'll see. All my right. hope is I get to go. Have you been keeping in contact with them at all? all right. Dude, he's like my diary. <laughs> <laughs> I write stuff. <laughs> Dude, I'm just, you know, Does I'm he write you back? Does he write you back? He's written me one letter. Oh, okay. One letter. <laughs> That's it. I get no more. You know, I hear that no news is good news. And he's not that type of person anyway, mm-hmm. so I'm okay with it. I, but he, I write down everything that happened. I just I go off in a letter. What his siblings do something, I'm telling them about it. You know, right. he's my diary right now. Okay. Yeah. And so, what was his one note to you? Was it you know positive? Was it like I it need was, to get out of here? No, it was positive. <laughs> okay. He said how much he was enjoying it. All right. He said how there was one of the best decisions he's ever made. He also said um, that. For real, for real, this is like a prison. I'll see y'all when they let me out. <laughs> that was his sign-off. All right. <laughs> do you have anybody else in your family that went a military route or anything? Yes. Uh, I, have a, I have several first cousins and my brother. Okay. He went Army. Um, he's retired now, but yes. Okay. Yeah, several, several cousins and my brother. Did you ever feel like you almost would go that route? or? I tried a few times. Did brother. you? Okay. So the first time I tried, um, I had to get a waiver. Be- the first time I tried, it was I was overweight. That okay. was the first time I tried. Right out of high school, because I wasn't sure I wanted to go to college. Uh-huh. Second time, I had to get a waiver because I had kids. Mm-hmm. After I got the waiver, then I had to get another waiver because I had asthma. And I couldn't get that waiver. It uh-huh. was one of life's biggest disappointments. Really? Yeah, because the government was going to take care of my kids. Uh-huh. All I had to do was... <laughs> Sir, I was going to have insurance, <laughs> a place to stay, you know? Oh, hey, yeah. It was, yeah. Uh-huh. I felt a call to serve, but now my call to serve is a little different. Yeah. Yeah. And so after high school, didn't go through that, so you went up to, went to 
school in Mississippi, right? You yeah. went to Tugaloo? Yeah, you know the Tugaloo? business, do right? you? Don't is do it Tugaloo? Tugaloo, yes. Tugaloo, yes. Look at you now. Okay, I'm impressed. What, what, what did you study there? So at, at Tugaloo, my... Quantum physics, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> want me to add up anything? At Tugaloo, my major was um, psychology. That okay. was my major there. Um, but I didn't finish at Tugaloo. I finished my associate's level, so I spent two years there. And then because of finances, I transferred back home to Indiana, finished at Indiana University. Okay. With a, a story in my, a story, a bachelor's degree in minority studies, um, African-American studies and psychology. Okay. Yeah. So what point during that did you know that you wanted to pursue ministry and- I didn't. You didn't at, uh -uh. at any point during that? No. no, no. I knew that I was, I knew that I was a servant. Mm -hmm. I always knew I was a servant. Um, I knew I was, I was always in the church, not because necessarily I wanted to be, because my mom made me, <laughs> but it was a natural thing to serve God's people. Mm -hmm. It was not difficult to serve God's people. It was not difficult to serve in any capacity in the church. Never, ever was it difficult. I did not know I was called to the ministry. Um, I was running from anything that had to do with the ministry, you know, a little bit in college. I was done. Mm -hmm. But then some... Major things did happen um, in my life, like my children. Um, and there was a separation of me and my children. Long story, mm -hmm. long story. But there was a separation of me and my children. And that was, the, that was my returning to God. Mm -hmm. I said to him, and we should not do this, I know, but I was ignorant at the time. God, if you bring me my family, I will serve you. Mm -hmm. It's not up to me how you do this. I don't care how you do it. It's on you. That's what he did. He brought me my family, and before he brought me my family, it was tugged on my heart. It, it really was heavy on my heart that I have to serve him ahead of time. It, I, I have to give this up. And I began to serve ahead of time. Right. Man. Wow. Yeah. So where where were you, like, at what age was that kind of, where, where at what age was that kind of calling? Did you feel that? That was, I was 21. Okay. Was I 21 yet? I had my first child when I was 18. Uh -huh. um, I had just turned 18. Um, so, yeah, it was like 1920. Okay. No, no, not, no, no. Not the year no. 1920, no. no. Okay. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> I was actually, I was older. I was, that was my senior year in college. 22. Okay. Yeah. All right. And so... What, when did you find Centerpoint? So, oh man, that was years later. Okay. <laughs> so that was years skipped, later. Skipped a few years. Yeah, skipped a few years. Um, I found Centerpoint. Um, it was 2007. Um, like I said, I was in Indiana. That's why I was raising my family. And my wife and I, um, at the time, decided that we wanted to raise our kids differently. We wanted them to have a, just a, a better start. Um, we didn't like where we were in Gary, Indiana. Why not? Um, it was crime written. It was a lot. Of, it was big on crime, and just wanted to make sure that every opportunity we could offer, we we did that. So we decided to move here to Florida. In why this, Florida of all places? Because my because my brother was okay. here. That that was why, and he had a home that we could move into. <laughs> um, so it was real simple and easy to do. All right. We came and visited December Christmas of two thousand six, and the weather was beautiful. I mean, we had just left snow, ice. You know, we drove all the way down, and it wasn't beautiful till we got to Florida. 
So that was kind of it. Like, wow, the sun started to shine uh-huh. when we were here. <laughs> so it was here. We decided, hey, let's just take a chance. It that was, was beautiful. Was Center Point the first kind of church no, that you stumbled into? No, no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> it was called the first church that we went to was I grew up in the Church of God. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to stay with the Church of God. So I hunted for churches that were Church of God affiliated. They just it never fit. They were always too small. Mm-hmm. I wanted the church big enough where I could hide, just to be honest. <laughs> I wanted the church where I could be just a member. I was at my previous church in Indiana. I was a, um, I was the worship leader. I was, <laughs> I was uh, the the head usher. I was whatever, whatever. It was a small congregation, so I was whatever. Um, well, now you now you're even more than that. You you do a little bit of yeah, everything, yeah. <laughs> plus some. And so he was preparing me okay. there. So I, that's what I was looking for. And my brother kept saying, "Why don't you try my church?" Which it was called Zion at the time. Uh-huh. Um, so I was like, "Yeah, you know, okay." So when we got there, we tried. It was like, "Yeah, this is cool." The service is dark. <laughs> Nobody will see me. It's good. Uh-huh. So, I mean, it really was a good fit. Everybody was friendly. Um, they welcomed my family from the front door all the way through. So it did make a difference. That made a difference. All the other churches, we tried um, the other bigger churches in the area. We tried them all. We tried everything. The The church that was probably the most fun was um, a small Pentecostal church. Right up the street from my house now, called I think it was called First Pentecostal. Mm-hmm. That was the, that was lively. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they were hooting and hollering and everything. <laughs> Never been lively. in a Pentecostal. Oh, church, you gotta go. I should probably. You go, yeah, you need to have the trip. experience. Maybe yeah. you can take me. <laughs> hey, we can go. I got an invite today. Did you? I, I have it in my pocket. If you want to see it, they have these business cards they give out. Oh, I was. Wow. I'm telling you, they've changed the name to the church and everything. <laughs> And this woman was so proud of her church that they moved here for her church. Bam, there it is. You wow. see that? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yes, they changed the name and all that. It's, yeah. All so right. we're going to go. Okay. We're going we're gonna to take a Sunday. <laughs> Pastor won't be too mad. We're going to go. Anyway, um, so that's what got me to Center Point. Uh, my brother was like, just try it. So we did, and it was welcoming. Everything was welcoming. Again, it was Zion at the time, not Center Point. Everything, everybody. The music was great. Um, it was like, yeah, this is this is it. Uh-huh. <laughs> we can we can do this. So nice. that's how I got to Center Point. Okay. Yes. Well, I'm glad you did because I would have never met you, or maybe, but you know, it's it's been really. I don't know exactly when we first met or anything. I don't know if you do. Probably not. But I know I'm not very I memorable. Remember, but... I remember the moment that I. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but I I just remember getting just this. Um, just this instant kind of just, you know, vibe and feeling from you that, you know, you just, you just express so much joy and you don't get that on in somebody very often. And so truly, I believe, I I feel like that is something that radiates out of you. And I was so mad because- you know you're being recorded, right? No, 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 no. (laughs) The joy from you just on stage and then even just meeting you at like during the person, I'm like, man, this guy's happy. And then I am so glad that I get to see you at 6.30 a.m. now and see that joy dissipate. <laughs> because I was mad that this guy is just joyful all the time. He has no bad things going on. And that was my first impression of you. And so uh-huh. I get to see you in the morning. 
maybe you know just roll out of bed. We did some workouts, so I got to see you at some. Yeah, you got to see me. You got to see my negative yeah. side. Yeah. yeah. So I'm a, I'm a princess <laughs> when it comes to the working out. But I do I do really value that that you know you're able to just have so much joy and that just radiates out of you and it helps to just be contagious for the people around you. That's so, awesome. Um, that Thanks, was that Gary. was my first impression. Wow. Of you. Okay. Okay. So what's your impression? <laughs> and then now? I got to know you. <laughs> Now. Uh-huh. Okay, I got you. But um, another thing that really you know struck me when I first kind of started to get to know you is just your passion for being a father and being you know um, a man of the house and everything. And so uh, listening to you know your your last sermon and you went over you know your kids and your relationship with you know your dad and everything and kind of that's something that I um, I really you know. I feel like I could learn a lot from you because, you know, I'm new to this parenting thing, this fatherhood thing. Um, but a question that I, you know, have when I'm, you know, looking at my kids now and, you know, growing them up, you know, leaving a legacy, that that constant, that reminder of, you know, what, what do I want to leave my kids? And obviously Christ is first in that. Um, but other than that, like what kind of what kind of legacy can I can I leave my kids and, you know, what's going to transpire past um, you know, when I'm gone from this earth and everything, mm. what what comes to mind when you think of that? Do you, can you speak to that a little bit of what kind of leg- legacy you want to leave your kids besides Christ? So besides Christ, that um, being present, mm. because I did have that time that I you know I wasn't, and that so that was my own heart's desire was to be present. So I can say, um, yeah, I can say being present, being there, being available. That's in always, and if I'm not. They know it's not because I have a choice. It's, you know, it's, if I had a choice, I would be there no matter what. Mm-hmm. I think that's foundational as a parent, especially a father. If your kids don't have that foundation that dad's available, I think it, it's kind of rocky. Because it's, yeah. I think we are, I think men in the home are foundational. Mm-hmm. Um, and every home does not have that, I understand. Um, but if it's available, I think we need to make that the, the biggest priority besides leading through Christ. And I, I, I like that concept of being, being present. I feel like it takes on so many different, you know, roles or looks differently because you, you weren't physically there, but there's a lot of people that aren't mentally or emotionally there. Mm-hmm. You know, people that, you know, have a, a father in the house that, you know, just gets home from work and wants to check out and, you know, right. don't want to have a relationship or, you know, is on social media and just checking out, you know, that way or on their constantly on their phone or their computer and everything. Um, I feel like that's something that our culture really struggles with because there's so many distractions. I completely agree. And yes. so how does that look like for you? And is there anything practically that you do at home to kind of promote that? Or for me, so I do need, I probably, I can speak for most men. We do need a minute. Uh-huh. We need a beat. So when we come in, you just need a minute to, you know, you need a minute to just kind of like, just get rid of the rest of the day uh-huh. so you can focus. But that is a practice of mine. Get rid of the day immediately so that I can focus on what's going on at home. One of the things I had to consciously do was decide not to take too long, not to go just hide away in my bedroom because, you know. Take a little nap. Yeah, I can do that, you know. So I had to just be in the common area. Now, my youngest is now a teenager. Mm -hmm. He's not in the common area. He's in his room hiding away. You know, if he's not on a video game, he's on his phone. He's doing what I'm trying not to do. Mm -hmm. So I have to say, hey, I'm home. 
you know, which means come downstairs, come and see me. Let's 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 catch up. <laughs> Even now, he's kind of annoyed with me, but he's gotten into routine. How was your day? And he goes, it was okay. Oh, okay. So what made it okay? <laughs> Elaborate just right. a little bit. You know, but I have to have these questions to pull it out. So oh, gosh. now, well, Zeke's the opposite. He's everything is well. Why? Well, why is this? Why? And I'm like, I don't but know. Dude, cherish that. <laughs> cherish and cherish the I don't know is because that goes away one day. It goes away. So enjoy every minute. And that is absolutely something I would say too to you. Enjoy every moment. The things that you think will never be a memory are the memories that you're making. Whether it was just him out in the yard with you cutting grass, that you were just doing this mundane thing, it's the world to him. And he will remember. I remember I was out in the yard with my dad cutting the grass. That's Those little things mean so much more than the trips to the Grand Canyon. Mm -hmm. And even if it is a trip to the Grand Canyon, it's not, the, it's not being at the canyon. It's probably the trip mm -hmm. to the Grand Canyon that they're going to remember. Yeah. So... Yeah. Okay, I'm talking too much. No, no, <laughs> no. I think that's really good. And like I said, that um, the the fatherhood concept, I think, is something I can learn a lot from you, and um, obviously have a lot to grow with that. But, I appreciate that. But the um, another thing that came up during um, you know your sermon that I, I took was you are the father of um, you know four children and so well, 4.5 is what you <laughs> what you said in, in the sermon but um just that concept of like something that i won't have to teach my son but is something that was just you were ingrained with when you grew up is you know how to act around a police officer or mm -hmm. you know things that you know you need to do in the world that we live in today um and it's something that i i don't know anything about i'm not going to have that conversation with my son and it's just something that I you know look at and and when you said that it really you know struck a chord with me because it's it's something that I you know we see very apparent today with you know you you gave that that talk that sermon that was about a month after George Floyd and mm -hmm. everything and so we're we're still seeing that today and um, you mentioned that Tyron wanted to be a police officer. Does he? Is he still wanting to do that? He has changed. For okay. being now he has not left um, law enforcement, but he okay. now wants to do Coast Guard. Okay. Which we know, um, which I didn't know. I wasn't. I wasn't one hundred percent on this. A Coast Guard is our law enforcement for our borders. Okay. Um, for our water borders, uh -huh. and he still wants to. He still wants to protect and serve. Wow. Yes. And I feel like a time like that, you have to really have a calling for that because it, it will not be easy. <laughs> Absolutely. And, I agree. Um, but can you just uh, speak to that a little bit as far as, you know, that relationship of having to have that conversation as, you know, a black man and, um, you know, telling your kids about that and how, how has that played out in how you father them? So having to have that conversation was not something I, had, I could take lightly. Um, I know my father didn't take it lightly, but it was something that had to be said um, because we, I'm, I'm speaking loosely, but trying not to, uh, we have to be ready. Mm -hmm. So in anything I can give them to arm them to be ready um, for anything that may happen is what, I, what, I'm, what I'm tasked with doing, what I have to do for them, for their protection. Um, so it wasn't an easy conversation because... I did not want my kids to feel different. I've never wanted them to feel different. I've always wanted them to just feel inclusive and always be inclusive for other people. So having to have that conversation, I feel like I felt as though I had I deemed that. Um, I, I made I, the value for that wasn't 
what I made it out to be originally because they are different. And it's um, something I didn't take lightly, but was necessary. Yeah. And so, especially with, you know, what's going on now in our society and everything, I mean, I think it's it's something that was, you know, natural for you. Well, you took it very seriously, but it's not even something that I felt like, you know, I had to even consider. Mm -hmm. And so that's gotcha. that's something that I, you know, when you when you said that, when you talked about that, it's it's it is real. And so, you know, it it's not something to take lightly and it is something to really, you know, acknowledge and everything. So knowing where we're at as like a culture and everything, how how do we as a church help with that that racial divide that's out there? How do we as a church, you know, help to promote inclusiveness and help to pr promote just, you know, wanting everybody to come in, wanting this diversity that, you know, Center Point has. Um, but when these issues come up, of you know, there's so much divide. How, what what can we, what advice can you give the church as far as that topic? So as far as that topic is concerned, I would say. I believe I, I believe I said this in my sermon. I'm not sure, but listen. The concept of listening is lost mm -hmm. to a lot of us. But if we just take the time to shut up and listen versus making, even if we have a preconceived um, judgment or notion, that's okay. You know, we all come with them. But if we just take the time to listen to whatever the other person has to say, black, white, indifferent, it doesn't matter. If we just take that time to listen from where that from that person's perspective, I think we will have a greater understanding mm -hmm. of what's happening. Mm -hmm. If I mean, as the church, when I say as the church, as those of us that are individuals that make up the church, if we would just sit back um, and listen to whoever, who I'm not going to say whoever, if we just take the time to listen to whomever is talking, I, I guess I, I guess that is the the best way of saying it, and just understands pr perspective. And that, and that perspective is is a lens that you know you may have never looked through, may never have to look through. It's not something that you know you're you're just listening to it and you know taking your own preconceived notion of of what you know reality is, but you know listening in a way and trying to take on that that lens of right. which I've never you know lived through exactly so, just just know. being understanding right opening up our lens or you know mm -hmm. making that lens a little bit wider versus that narrow thing that we and we're all guilty of it we're we are all absolutely guilty of looking through that narrow point in the lens just pinpointing something if we open up that view with our ears i think we would make things a whole lot better and i think that the church is the the best place to do that. And I think that, unfortunately, historically, it's been not something that we have those conversations or we kind of, you know, shy away from the tough stuff. Um, but I think now more than ever, that needs to happen, having those conversations mm -hmm. and not just posting something on the internet or not just, you know, you know, sitting behind the computer and, you know, sharing an article or whatever. Yes. But, Actually having these live conversations. Actually where having the conversations. We can have a dialogue back and forth. That's part of the reason I'm doing this because I, I want to be able to break down some of those barriers and actually figure it out. I know that I'm ignorant in a lot of aspects, especially on this topic, but I want to know how that the church can, you know, better navigate this and, and actually move forward. Instead of, you know, reverting to the past, we can actually move forward with, you know, 
recognizing our flaws and recognizing what has you know shortcomings have come in the past and and truly move forward and so how do we you know that that's something that i think that having these conversations will help to do i think so too i also believe that if we took that old cliche scripture that jesus said to love your neighbor as you love yourself if we actually place that in the front if we actually placed whatever we're doing under that I believe that everything would be so much better. I mean, even if you're a person that doesn't like yourself, you still have some common. There is something common for you that you, if you want to treat someone like you would treat yourself, if you love them like you love yourself, it would make a huge difference. If we did things from that perspective, huge. I, I really do. I really do believe that would be, I believe that would be, that point, that, that pinnacle point that we that we need. We know that we're in church. We know God says that, but do we really live by it? Mm. Do we, or are we living by what we, our own perspective is king. If we were bold enough to let go of just our own perspective when it, when it came to issues, if we were letting go of that and dealing with it from that perspective to love your neighbor as you would love yourself, my personal opinion, it, it would be just moving. Mm. And if we really did it, really did it, not just for a day, not yeah. just for a moment, but we really lived by it, mm-hmm. it would make a difference. Yeah, I think that's super powerful. And I, you know, I, I think that we're hopefully moving in that direction. Um, but, you know, I, I definitely know that we have, as a church, been, been one to, you know, not, not acknowledge all of that as a past. And, you know, I think it's, it's good that we we do acknowledge it and, and help to, to move forward. But I wanted to ask you and um, oh, <laughs> this, this, face, this is serious, yeah. man. <laughs> this I want to ask you about about your name. Tell me about Onesimus. Hey, <laughs> tell me about it. OK, you want to know what it is? What do you want to know about it? Onesimus, whatever means you want. Onesimus. It's a biblical <laughs> name. It's found in the book of Philemon. Some people pronounce it Philemon. That doesn't sound sound very you know doesn't sound good to me. So Philemon. Philemon. Yes. Okay. Say, you know, say what's a mm. Philemon. Um, <laughs> I was named after um, Onesimus. That's found in that book. Mm-hmm. The name means one who serves. It also means useful. Okay. So hopefully you know I'm fulfilling that. Um, but the one we'll who <laughs> <laughs> the one who serves. Uh-huh. Um, I think you know not even trying to. That's. That's just me. I am a I am a servant. I've realized that I've owned that. So that's what my name means. My name was given to me by my mother. Um, it was kind of a um, <laughs> prophetic. I, okay. I don't, don't want to use that word. Um, <laughs> you know, I just want to throw that around. Um, but my mother was told she was going to have a boy and to name him Onesimus. So that's what she did, and I hope she's not disappointed. She doesn't seem to. Be, my mother loves me, so she's not disappointed. But <laughs> so 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 who was Onesimus? In so the in the Bible, Onesimus was a um, slave, a runaway slave. I'm talking about all this, though, you know. Anyway, <laughs> Onesimus was a runaway slave that ran into Paul. Um, he was imprisoned with Paul. Um, so Paul knew Onesimus's um, owner, and he wrote him asking him for mercy for Onesimus. He said in his letter, you know. Treat him, see, we're talking about that love your neighbor. Treat him as you would treat me and forgive him for it all. You know, basically he was saying, look, let go of everything that's happening because I'm pretty sure Onesimus cost 
his um he cost his owner some money because he was one of his you know best servants. His name was Onesimus. He's like me, you know. He was pretty sure he was the best he had. <laughs> so he Paul wrote to him saying, "Forgive him. Forgive everything. Forgive everything he's done. You know, matter of fact, whatever he, whatever he owes, charge it to me. Mm. You know." So that was huge. That is. That was huge. We also find that Onesimus carried some letters to the other churches. Wow. We find him mentioned in the book of um, Corinthian. He took he took a letter to the book of um, to the church of at Corinth. Um, Onesimus was a you know he it was the smallest book in the Bible. You know that's where you find him at the smallest mm-hmm. book in the Bible, but the book that you can find true mercy, mm. the request for true mercy, and we do see that it was we we do believe that it was given. Because we see Onesimus is still traveling. We see that still happening. Wow. He sent, Paul sent Onesimus back to his master. He sent him back to his owner. He sent him back and said, hey, look, and when you get there, you got to forgive him. You got to let it go. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm going to have to read some Philemon tonight. Yes, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I, that's a, I mean, that's very, uh, ties in very, very well. I mean, if you, if you think about it, that's, that's something that we should, you know, if if it is you know taking that that consciousness of of Paul and you know looking at somebody who you know had these flaws or whatever had these things these um, you know things that that could be held against him and everything and so and saying that he wants to take it on on himself I mean what what a better parallel of Jesus can you be I mean right. like right. <laughs> you know that's that's something that you know hopefully we can help to you know transpire in the in the church mm-hmm. and live out i mean that's that's something that you know i think the tendency now is to say well oh you know what you did is you got to go and you know serve for it. you need to go and right work. but that's that's not what jesus did and it's not right. you know and I mean, so. think about his owner think about his master him being at he, he was he was this big task he was like okay for real mm-hmm. you know i i can think about the other perspective really you want me to forgive him he ran away. You know, you want me just to forgive him? Uh-huh. But, yeah. Can we can we just use that term, oh, let it go? Yeah. You know, that's what Paul asked him to do, to let it go. Wow. How big is that? You know, whatever you have against me, just, can you just let it go? Wow. I'm well, not trying to simplify now, grace, but. Now your name means a little bit different, so knowing that. And um, so that's that's really cool, though. And so not something that um, you should do. A, you should do a, a sermon on that. No, I think we could. Is that this coming this week? No. no? Why not? Okay. All right. Maybe next one. Yeah, maybe um, next time. So I wanted to ask you, what what do you feel like is the the biggest myth or lie being perpetuated in the church? Well, the only thing that stands out to me right now, and it's because of our current climate, mm-hmm. um, is that the church is not political. That, I would say, is probably the biggest myth. Even if we're not um, saying this is who we support or this is who you should support, we're saying it. You know, And when I, say the ch- when I, when I speak of the church, I'm not talking about our pastor. I'm talking about the people that fill the church, the people that make the church, the, mm-hmm. the individuals, because that's that's who we are, the church. I think that's the biggest myth, mm. that we're not political, mm. when, you know, most people clearly choose a side. And, well, that is kind of lumped together in the political climate of, you know, they've got the evangelical Christian right. vote, and it's just, 
that's you know how well that that's that leads into how how do we you know create that where you know we're we're still staying relevant as a church and addressing these issues uh, but not not becoming partisan because there should be republicans and democrats in the church there there needs to be that right. that you know meshing and everything and yeah, we got that so, point now yeah we so, got that. <laughs> and good because that's what that's that's beautiful to have you know different perspectives coming together and you know a, I, I think a, a a church full of just republicans is very <laughs> short-sighted and so you know i i definitely think that that the church body needs to, to have that. Yes. Um, and I, I heard somebody say at once where, you know, the, we need Republicans and de- Democrats, just like, you know, this is kind of like a Dave Ramsey thing, but just like we need a nerd and a free spirit, yes. we need them come to come in together to, you know, you know, f- fix the, or just address the needs of, of what's going on. And so, you know, that's, that's something that I, I feel like is, a hot topic right now. It is, and it's hard because you can't you can't even talk about an issue without. Or if I see somebody without a mask on, I'm usually gonna see like that's that's a Trump supporter. You know <laughs> that that somebody is making a statement. Yeah. So like even issues like something as simple as as masks, it's become so political, and so you know it how, is. How how, how do everyone's we... everyone's deciding on who's going to be president over over the mask oh yes <laughs> yeah uh-huh isn't that amazing it's, over the mask yes it's crazy but yes. um you know I, I i do i do believe that you know that that is something that makes center point unique and um it's you know having those different diversities the different political opinions or whatever coming together but having god and christ as the foundation yes and so it's how how do we keep that you know how how do we not have that divide well i think we have to celebrate it i think we have to continue to celebrate it and know and let people know that it's welcoming you know we're we don't all have to think like robots we don't all have to be you know if you if i'm not a trump supporter i can't go to that church you know or if, or mm-hmm. if i'm not a biden supporter i can't go to that church mm-hmm. to have that kind of mentality well, for one, where's the fun in that? You know, for, for uh-huh. one, for two, like you said, there's balance when it comes to that. You know, I have to open up my perspective when I'm listening to someone else speak about who they support. Mm-hmm. I, I have to open up my perspective in order to understand where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, there's some crazies out there on both sides. <laughs> okay. So yep. you got to know when to cut it off too. Mm-hmm. So which is hard, mm-hmm. but you have to. I think for us, we have to celebrate it and we have to support it. We don't have to support the crazy. You know, there's a balance even when it comes to the crazy. Mm-hmm. But I, that's what I believe we have to do. Mm-hmm. It's it's okay. It's cool. Mm-hmm. You know, it's good. Mm-hmm. Not, not okay, cool. It's good that we're not all, all one mind, not robots. But that's that's another place where I think that concept of, of listening, just the simple fact of listening to somebody mm-hmm. And truly listening, not just yes. you know saying just you know one ear. Well, I'm I'm thinking about my response right now. It's coming, and you know not hearing anything that they're saying. It's that concept of just just listening to the other side, and you don't have to necessarily agree with it, but just mm. hear that lens that they're coming from. Yes. And so, um, you know, it's becoming harder and harder in our in our climate because every issue is is very political, but. Another thing I wanted to ask you is kind of going into a little bit away from the church, but if you, 
I want to know what else you're interested in as far as if you had to give like a lecture or, um, you know, a topic on something other than like the Bible, what, what would it be on? <laughs> what else do you, um, whatever, what else sparks your interest? What else or, sparks my interest? Yeah. I am not a, not a very exciting person. Um, I'm into Olympic lifting. I okay. enjoy that. Um, yeah. Dude, that's about all I can think of. Let's see. I like cars. Do you? No, I don't like under the hood of cars. <laughs> you like to and drive cars? I like to drive cars. Okay. I like I like to drive cars. What's My, the nicest car you've driven? The nicest car I've driven. Or most fun. Doesn't have to be the, you know, most expensive. But what's what's been the most fun car that okay, you Okay, so the most fun car I've driven uh -huh. is an 87 Cadillac Eldorado. Hmm. That thing is huge. <laughs> That is probably the most fun. Yeah, because that thing is so big. And people move out of your way. They move. Um, the, the zippiest car is a Subaru Outback. <laughs> really? <laughs> I know. I feel like you need to drive something else. <laughs> nope. You will do 95 and not even know you're doing 95 in that thing. That is, I know, sounds crazy. Um I like I like I have a little convertible. I like that. Mm -hmm. I like that thing. Um, but it's not as fun as a Subaru. Okay. It's not as fun as the Outback. Hmm. The Outback for real. I mean, it's uh, you know what? I just need to bring it for you to drive it. All right. Because then you'll be like, oh, sounds good. Then you're gonna want one. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a good car to throw the kids in the back too. <laughs> um. So, what what books or book have you gifted most uh, other than the Bible? <laughs> okay, so just this month, I've given away, given away um, Quiet the, Shut the Chatterbox. I think that's what it's called. What is it? Um, the Chatterbox. Okay. Quiet the Chatterbox. Quiet so the it's Chatterbox. A, mm -hmm, it's a book by um, uh, Stephen Furtick. And it's about you learning to contain that um, extra voice that's inside your head that tells you you're not good enough. That voice that says you, you don't do this. I've only, I've only um, read the book once myself and then I read some excerpts from the book recently and it was like I missed some stuff in this book <laughs> it was it's a good book it's a good book a very very good book so who who where did you learn about that book from did somebody gift it to you or was it just it, it's a book I saw in Barnes and Nobles at some point I think <laughs> I was studying at Barnes and Nobles like okay. I gotta buy something instead of just using up their Wi-Fi All right. so that's what I did I bought I bought that book um, Stephen Furtick was my was my guy at the time, you know. Okay. So that's so I bought that book, I read that book, but I read some excerpts about a month ago, maybe a month and a half ago. But I've given that book away three times this month. Hmm. Yeah, I know, weird. That is. <laughs> I'll have to check it out. Yeah, I, yeah. I haven't got a gift yeah. from you, but <laughs> you okay, know. okay, I'll give it away four times this month. <laughs> I'll have to read it though. Um, so. What would you say you would advice you would give to somebody that wants to be a pastor or is pursuing um, ministry? And you know what? What did you? What have you learned? Kind of being in ministry for for a while now. So the immediate advice I would give anyone that's uh, pursuing ministry is know your priorities. What I mean by that is families first, always. Um, and you have to consciously put your family first because you can get lost in ministry. And if you get lost in ministry, your family gets lost and they will probably not be in ministry. They will probably actually despise ministry um, when you, if you do that. 
So I would say know your priorities and where to and know how to align those priorities. Um, it's it's a hard balance. It's a hard thing to do. Um, I'm I'm a part time pastor, um, and it's difficult. It's difficult uh, prioritizing the work. You know, we're, we're working for the big man. You know, <laughs> so prioritizing that work, um, but also making sure that my family um, is fed. Mm-hmm. You know, when I say I'm not talking about just food on the table, God is a provider. He will always do that. But I mean, making sure they're fed from me, making sure they're spiritually fed from me, making sure they're emotionally fed from me, mm-hmm. making sure that's being taken care of. Uh, yeah, um, I would say that's number one. That's the that's the biggest piece of advice I would give. No, that's good. I think I think that, yeah, it, it sounds like this, uh, you know, glorified thing that, you know, to be in ministry or, you know, but it, it does have real struggles. It does have, mm-hmm. like, those sacrifices that you're making. And, you know, it's not just, and like you said, you're a part-time pastor. You're you're working other jobs and everything. And, you know, you, you're still making time for your kids and everything. And so... Um, you know, I think it's, it's definitely a big time commitment. And so, you know, as far as that goes, it has to be a calling and it has to be something that you're, you know, weighing that investment as well. Um, but I, I definitely think that, you know, this, hopefully that this, this podcast is going to, to start to, you know, have these conversations, have this, you know, be a little bit more of a dialogue and I've, I've learned something about you tonight that I didn't know. And so just a few things, just because having this conversation, I don't really? often, you know, okay. get to have, you know, just a open dialogue with, with you, even though you're in my men's group and everything mm-hmm. and you better be going tomorrow. So okay, I'm are you waking, waking up? But anyway, I, you know, want to thank you for, for coming over and just having this talk with me is, is there any closing thoughts that you, you know, want to give to the church or anybody that's that's listening? Well, oh man, Eric, you, you, you put some good stuff out there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so a closing thought for the church. Um, study what the church is, which means read the word. I can't express enough on how juicy the word is how dramatic the word is. It's some good stuff in there. Yeah. Oh, it'll it'll fill your plate. So read the word. Um, when I say read the word, study the word um, as the church, do that. And in doing that, we will know how to be the church so that when we have to stand up, we have to rise up, we can do just that and do it in the way that we're called to do it. So study God's word so that we can be the church. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Well, thank you, brother thank Eric you Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs>